Glad to have you back. We continue on the Bill Michael Show. It's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. They are the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. Thanks to them for being a part of the program for such a long period of time. Also got to say hi to our buddy Dwayne from Dwayne's Cover It All up in Wausau. And uh, who, by the way, shot me a note regarding baseball that uh, they had the streaming service with DirecTV and such. And uh, it's risen. The uh, price has risen about 100 bucks. So he's like, you know what? Screw it. Getting rid of it. Uh, but that being said, he's also Wisconsin's best canvas upholstery and boat cover provider. You can check him out on Facebook. Uh, Dwayne's, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne's Cover It All.com, or same thing, Dwayne's Cover It All.com, the website. Uh, you can give him a call, 715-870-2119. As we start to get into boating season and you start opening things up, you're like, eh, maybe I need to get some upholstery replaced, a new boat cover, uh, travel cover, whatever it happens to be, or maybe you got an awning outside your business that just looks ratty after the winter, some furniture inside your home, some furniture inside your business, whatever it is, man, you can do it. Get a hold of our buddy Dwayne, 715-870-2119, 715-870-2119. Great, great stuff. Uh, let's do this. Let's bring in our buddy uh, Andrew Wagner from Forbes.com, covering the uh, Brewers when the Brewers begin to play at some point in time. Andrew, how you been, buddy? Well, I'm not in Arizona, so, you know, yep. everything's great. Yep. Yeah, I know. It's... Uh, I, I, I look at it this way. Um, right now, I'm not spending any additional funds to go out to Arizona. So on, on that hand, I, I'm good. But I would like to see baseball. At what point do you think they get this done? Or do you think as time goes on, they're digging their heels in? I, I don't know. You know, I thought it would have to. I, I thought if they didn't have it done by, you know, beginning of February, then it was going to be trouble. And, you know, they didn't have it done. They don't look to be anywhere even remotely close to being close to a deal. Uh, I, I just don't know. I honestly don't know anymore at this point. You know, I was talking to a really good friend last night, and they're like, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, you know what, honestly, if I've got opening day tickets and requested off work, I'm telling the boss I'll probably be in that day because I don't I, – I think we're getting to the point now where it's almost a guarantee that you're going to miss at least a couple games to start the season. I, uh, I I look at baseball as time goes on, and I think to myself, if the owners are going to uh, – the owners don't want to lose money, and you don't want to lose spring training and, and such, and I understand all of that. No problem, because that's money, that's revenue, and all these ballparks now that they have built in spring training facilities, they all need to be paid for it as well. So you don't want to lose that. But if you know you're going to start losing that and you know you're going to start cutting into the regular season, at some point you got to dig your heels in and say, you know what, screw this. We're going to go for the whole bag. We're going to get what we want before it's all said and done because we're losing and money right. now anyway. Yep, that's exactly it. And I, I think the players, you know, for all we talk about how, you know, the players are so steadfast, the owners are going to get the same thing. And you're exactly right. There's going to be a point where it's just, all right, we're losing it anyway, so we're going to make sure we get this right. You know, I, I'm a little frustrated with, and fans can root for whatever side they want. Like, I get it. Like, I, I'm just shocked at how many people in my industry, you know, writers, reporters, who are supposed to be impartial or are sitting out here and they're going to bat, you know, for, for the players or, the, you know, whatever side. And it's like you're not helping the situation. You know, you're just right. taking this on and making it worse. So when, how do I put this? What are, what, are, what are the arguments, what are the issues right now that are keeping everything really far apart? Well, I think the number one thing is the, the, um, 
the competitive balance cap tax, whatever you want to call it, you know, this is the revenue sharing. The players see this as an artificial cap, and they are steadfastly against the cap of any kind. Um, that was that was the big pain in the butt back in '94. Um, it's the big pain in the butt now. They don't want anything that is seen as limiting salaries. Um, so that that's the big one, and then that just kind of falls into everything else behind it: service time, arbitration pool, minimum salaries, that kind of stuff. You know, all comes back to the cap. The bottom line is. You know, the players have realized that teams are going to start paying young guys and they're going to pay the superstars, and they're worried about the middle-class guys that aren't getting the contracts anymore. They want to see more guys like Jeff Supan getting deals like they got from the Brewers, which are bad, bad deals. Right. Um, they're, they're upset that analytics, like it or not, has made the game smarter and more efficient from a budgeting standpoint. And they don't like that. And the thing that drives me nuts is no one seems to mention the fact that baseball is the only sport where the contracts are guaranteed. So, you know what? You go out and you sign a guy for seven years, $300 million. Okay, let, let's say Christian Yelich, right? Let's say that he has a good year this year and then gets hurt and is never the same player and spends half of the rest of his contract injured or not producing. The Brewers are on the hook for every cent of that. Any other sport, you can cut a guy and recoup some of that money, but not in baseball. And it's those kind of contracts that hinder other deals. And, of course, then you hear people say, well, billionaires can afford to spend it. Well, why should they? Like, there is no obligation that just because you have money, you have to spend it. You know, I think owners have the right to make as much money as possible, just as the players do. And I think that's where the hang-up comes in. What bothers me is, now I, who's to say whether or not he'll pitch well, but when you've got a 37-year-old Max Scherzer signing a $130, 150000000 million deal with incentives, and then the owners cry poor, you, you can't do that. You, you, you know, that, that's, that's on them. That's the stupidity of they're trying to put the blank back in the horse, but it's, they're the ones crapping all over the place. Yeah, there are, there are, no, there are no good guys in this thing. And listen, I do feel for, and I don't remember who it was, that they mentioned him on Twitter the other day, someone that's got, you know, 12 years of pro experience, uh, has been up and down five or six straight years, still doesn't have, you know, three years in to even get to arbitration. I feel for those guys. But right. it's, it's free market. Like, you're going to get paid for what you do. You know, it used to be players got paid for what they did. And that's how you got your big contract. You were really good. You're right. going to get a big contract. But now... The kind of the paradigm shifting, and you're getting paid for what you do, and that throws everything that throws everything in, in, into a into a funk. I uh, I agree with you about middle middle level players and making money, but I, I've said this for a long time. Look, when you've got guys that are hitting two twenty seven, two thirty five, two forty, and they're making six, seven, eight million dollars a year. I, that's unacceptable, man. You can't, you can't, as a small market team, you can't survive like that. You know, so th when you talk about guaranteed contracts, I agree. I, I completely understand where the players are coming from. But what they fail to uh, even look at addressing is what happens when a guy plays like crap? You know, you're not saying, hey, we'll give, we'll give part of that money back. We haven't earned it. No player will ever say that. And, and nor should they. That's, that's the beauty of capitalism. But you're right. They just don't take that into account. Like, there, there is so much money being thrown around here, and, and there's enough for everyone. 
they just got to accept it's being spent in different ways. And you know what? In five, ten years, it might the, the, the equation might shift again because that's the way baseball goes. But it's just a mess. It's stupid that baseball at this point, where we are in the world, pandemic and economy and everything else, that baseball can't pull its head out of its butt and is in danger of losing regular season games when, you know, it's different. When, when basketball had its lockout, you still had football, you still had hockey. When hockey was out, you still had basketball and football. Baseball is the only game there is in the summer. People aren't going to go flock into MLS. Like, this is it. So you right. blow this, everyone's going to know about it. Everyone's going to be talking about it. Um, so let me ask you this. The 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 owner, who can afford to sit out longer? The owners with the bills that they have to pay or the players? I've always said the players don't care because when you've got guys that are, you know, low-end guys still making four, five, six million, they don't mind one year and losing revenue. I mean, everybody minds because it hits your pocketbook. But players that are making two, three, four million bucks, they're okay. You know, it's not like football where you know your first four years you're only making you know seven, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars, a million bucks at best, and you've already bought that house for yourself, the house for your mom, and you got the bills to pay. I mean, with Major League Baseball players, they're all making some pretty good money. Yeah, I mean, even the low level guys are making six hundred some thousand a year, five hundred thousand a year. So if you're spending your money right, you know, you're gonna be okay. It's gonna hurt. You know, you may have to drive an Uber or something, but, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be particularly, you know, hitting up food stamps, either an owner or a player, in the next year if they don't play. But it's going to hurt for a long time. I mean, this isn't like 94. You're not going to have, you know, a bounce back like that because social media doesn't forget. And it's going to make it's going to make any stoppage a whole lot worse, and, and people are not going to forget as easily. There's not another Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, right. you know, rivalry coming up to get you out. of There's not another Cal Ripping get you out of this. You know, you need a feel good story, and you need it fast. Yeah, um, real quick, what does uh, what when do do we know of any time scheduled in the near future that these two sides are going to be back at the bargaining table? No, I, I, I have I have saw that they were going to talk soon, but. Honestly, I just, I don't know. You know, it, it usually comes out of nowhere. Maybe that's a good sign, but, you know, they haven't really announced anything yet. Bud, figure out a few things to do. Have a couple of German beers and, uh, you know, maybe some Skyline Chili. Enjoy yourself, and then maybe the season will get going sooner rather than later. Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon, Bill. All right, buddy. Talk to you. There you go. Andrew Wagner covering the Milwaukee Brewers baseball and right now, not having a lot to cover other than the dissension between the two. So my question to you is, as a baseball fan, what does this do to you, if anything? Or are you just sitting here going, you know what? I cannot wait. Cannot wait to get back to baseball. Maybe that's where you're at. You know? Maybe that's where you're at. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Hour number three of the Bill Michaels Show. 
We uh, had some really good discussion. Talked some basketball, both Bucks and Badgers early on. A lot of baseball chatter as there is no baseball right now, and that is probably the most disconcerting thing. And uh, we get back into the NFL aspect of all of this and uh, talk about the, the cap to the season. And then in addition to that, uh, you know, as we move forward to the off season and what may or may not happen, we bring in our buddy Mark Schofield uh, of NFL Wire joining us uh, on the hotline. Mark, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Bill. Great to be back with you. Hope things are well. Uh, things are good. We're we're doing well. We're finally back in studio after all the traveling and Super Bowls and LAs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, normally, we'd be heading out to spring training here next week or in the two, but that's not happening. So all we've got to talk about right now is kind of putting a cap on the NFL season. So first of all, give me your thoughts, Super Bowl 56, uh, the game that itself, uh, the surroundings and uh, everything that's gone on. Give me your thoughts as to how the game went. You know, I think it ended up playing out as we perhaps thought it was going to. The big question going in was, could Cincinnati, that offensive line, give Joe Burrow enough time to survive back there? It wasn't so much could they protect him. We knew, given what we had seen in previous playoff games, the Titans game, even the Chiefs game, that they probably weren't going to win that battle, but could they at least give Burrow enough time? And certainly in the second half of that game, you know, Burrow just didn't have time back there. And now we're hearing that he had a, a knee injury. He was kind of limited a little bit with his mobility. It really made life tough on him. Um, so it was really the story of that defensive front, sort of wearing down Burrow in that offense in that Cincinnati passing game. And then while he had the two interceptions and it wasn't a clean, perfect performance, when it came down to it, Matthew Stafford made the reads and decisions and the throws on that game wouldn't drive that Sean McVay thought he was going to get when he made the decision to trade for Matthew Stafford. You know, he saw what that offense was like with Jared Goff and perhaps some of the limitations to that Rams passing game. And when they needed him most, Matthew Stafford made the critical throws that, you know, let's be honest, I don't think Jared Goff is throwing that no-look dig to Cooper Cup on that second and seventh play. I don't know if he's going to make some of those throws near the end, even the back shoulder phase of a touchdown that Matthew Stafford delivered. So I think some storylines that we thought were going to be important ended up being pretty important on Sunday night. I uh, I think the game kind of went the way exactly the way I thought it would go as well. I thought that you know some of the play calling down the stretch with Zach Taylor came into question. I think that soft zone coverage defense they kept playing and you know playing nine yards off of the receiver when they only needed six to get a first down. I thought was completely stupid of Cincinnati. Uh, I you know I think McVeigh had a couple of times that they made a few mistakes, but for the most part, I think he outcoached Zach Taylor his first time, his first venture into the Super Bowl. And like you said, Joe Burrow got you know immobile because of the knee, and we all knew that that defensive front eventually was going to take over. And when they decided to rush five instead of four, it was just it was like a dam burst. So that that was the epiphany in the second half that I think the Rams made. So it, it pretty much went the way I thought it would. So the game itself, fantastic. Everything around it, uh, obviously exciting. Uh, but do you think, like, uh, the way L.A. pulled this thing off and the 100 million viewers, the NFL right now, king of the hill, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely, Bill. And the NFL has shown an ability, say what you want about, you know, how they go about things. They have shown an ability to stay in the national conversation year-round. I mean, it makes life easier for guys like you and me, but we instantly come out of a Super Bowl and you're thinking, all right, well, there's not going to be a lot of content. Well, we've got franchise and transition tags coming up in a, co- in a week now. Uh, where teams are going to be making some decisions. We've got, obviously, the combine coming up at the start of March. We're going to get the legal tampering period, you know, whatever that phrase means, but that's going to drive the conversation about free agency. You know, only the NFL could take something like 
the, re- the release of the schedule, games that we know are going to happen, they have a schedule release day and it drives content for another week because people start thinking about, oh, who's going to win this game? Oh, what's the best game this week? And the NFL does just a tremendous job of staying relevant and staying at the forefront. Um, and we're going to see it now going forward uh, as we get through the offseason, you know, free agency, the draft, and all that stuff. The NFL, they're just, they remain at the top of the mountain. And especially now with, like you mentioned, the baseball being in the lockout, um, you know, the NBA playoffs will certainly get rolling. And so that's, you know, springtime. But the NFL, even in an offseason, they've got the ability to just dominate coverage even when they're not playing games. So I, uh, when it comes to the offseason, now it, it, it starts with Sean McVay. Let's go there. Sean McVay, the possibility of him retiring, going over to whether it's Amazon Prime for that stream, the shifting with Al Michaels, Mike Tirico moving into the booth with Chris Collinsworth. There's uh, the Michelle Tafoya thing. You've got, uh, obviously, Troy Aikman. There's some talk about him. Give me your thoughts on some of, the, uh, some of the things moving around the outside of the NFL. And would Sean McVay, do you think he really retires? I don't think, Bill, I don't think he really retires. I mean, I think, you know, this is in part uh, perhaps a move to get a new contract to make him one of the higher-paid head coaches. Um, Now that he's, you know, delivered a Super Bowl and been to two in a short tenure with the Rams, I think this is more of a negotiating tactic. But if he decides, look, you know, I've seen the grind. I've seen what it takes to get to the Super Bowl, to win a Super Bowl, the hours that it takes. I don't know if I want to do that. I think he would be tremendous in the booth. Obviously, you know, a, a brilliant football mind that I think, you know, w- with, you know, all the sort of memory recall tricks that he's shown us along the way, as we call him plays from years past, even plays from his high school and college days, I'm sure he'd be fantastic in the booth. But I, I think, you know, you win a Super Bowl, he's going to take some time and realize that this is where he wants to be right now. You know, TV deals and things like that, they're not going away. Anytime he decides to hand him off and move to the booth, I'm sure – NBC, Amazon, whatever network or, or outlet would be interested and would come, welcome him with open arms. So I don't think that opportunity is going to go by the wayside. So I think it'll take some time, recharge the batteries, and he'll be back pretty soon. Uh, okay, so I now we get into the bare nuts of things. Aaron Rodgers, we all know we're waiting to find out what goes on with him. Tell me your thoughts on as an outsider looking in on the Rodgers situation in Green Bay. I, Bill, I, I think that it would really surprise me at this point. It's almost a 180 from last year. It would really surprise me if he's anywhere but Green Bay uh, for the next season. I think reading some of the, the, you know, what he said about Green Bay and the relationship, the working relationship with uh, the front office and the coaching staff and what Coach LaFleur has done with them and how they've sort of, you know, built some trust back in that relationship. It would really surprise me. You know, if he's anywhere else, I know after he won MVP and he talked about 17 great years and things like that, I know people sort of read into that and said, oh, well, could this be goodbye? I don't think so. I think it was just a, an acknowledgement of the great experience that he's had in Green Bay and the things that he and the Packers have accomplished together. And so I think, you know, where it was a much frostier relationship this time last year, I think that is really sort of thought to the point where, you know, when you start thinking about mock drafts and free agency and quarterback movement, you know, I'm, I'm taking Rodgers, and I'm just sort of keeping him in Green Bay every time I think about how this quarterback carousel is going to play out. I think that relationship has been repaired. You know, again, like I'm an outsider sort of looking in. You know, it's not like I've been talking to people in the building, but from observing it from afar, I think they've patched things up, and he's going to finish out his career in Green Bay. 
See, I think he's coming back. 75% of me says he does. Now, this whole thing about going all in, paying him, going up against the cap, how do they afford him? How do they afford Devontae? How do they afford to keep Jair Alexander? How do they afford to, say, keep Devondre Campbell around? Uh, you, you can't keep everybody. And we've seen that this defense is just a couple of linemen short of being dominant, much like the two defenses we saw in the Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers has had some missteps. We all can admit that. But they need another weapon besides Devontae Adams. They need another bookend because each of those two teams in the Super Bowl had three wideouts they could have gone to at any point in time. The Packers don't have that. So how can they afford all of this in your eyes? Yeah, it will be tough, and there'll have to be some sort of creative accounting. I think that I sort of look at a page out of the Saints playbook and how they sort of work things, voidable years, and how they sort of put themselves up and from against it from a cap position, but try to sort of keep it together to make one more run with Breeze. And I think there's also going to be, you know, some deals that are done with an eye towards, again, the cap sort of going up almost astronomically, like people seem to think that that's going to happen. The cap is going to really expand over the next couple of years with new TV deals and things like that, that teams will be able to sort of work around that with the anticipation that room will free up a year or two down the road. And in terms of certainly adding another weapon, I think makes a ton of sense for Green Bay. Now, what might help is we have an incoming class of rookie, potential rookie wide receivers that – you know, while this draft overall might not be the best, particularly if you start thinking about the quarterback position, there's depth in that receiver room. And you might, when the Packers are on the clock, see a player like, you know, a Traylon Burks from Arkansas or Dotson from Penn State, even potentially Drake London, who, you know, he's getting a lot of buzz right now, but he might be available. And so there's an opportunity to bring players back and also add a weapon at wide receiver, even near the end of the first round, because, you know, quarterbacks get pushed up boards, receivers. There's a pretty deep group of players that could be coming off the board in the first round. There's an opportunity for Green Bay to address receiver in the draft, add another weapon, bring people back, and make another run at this. What is – because I know quarterbacks are at best few and far between in the draft this year, and there are teams that need quarterbacks. Are we going to see – more trades. We're talking about Mark Schofield, by the way, of NFL Wire. Are we going to see more trades for veteran quarterbacks this offseason, or are teams going to be more likely, because there isn't anybody in the draft, more likely to hold on tight to what it is they have and wait till next year and the year after when quarterbacks start to become more plenty? Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating question, Bill. I think it'll be a little situational dependent. I mean, I think some teams are probably going to look at this draft class, look at what the Rams did and say, you know what? We'd rather, you know, go down the road of, say, a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, take Washington, for example. They might look at this draft class and say, I'm not so sure any of these guys are ready to start week one. We've got a team that we feel pretty good about. Um, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo makes a little bit more sense for us. Whereas a team, you know, in the NFC North, the Detroit Lions, they might look at it and say, we're a couple of years away anyway. You know, we can draft a Malik Willis. We can draft a Desmond Ritter or a Matt Corral or a Kenny Pickett and sort of give them room to grow because we know we're not going to be in the thick of things. We're not built to contend right now. We're still a year or two away. So it'll be situational dependent, but I think a lot of teams might sort of lean towards this veteran quarterback market or hold it on to players they have. Like say an example of that might be the New York Giants, right? You have Daniel Jones. You just hired Brian Dable. You need to sort of figure out if Jones is the guy but looking around, these rookie quarterbacks probably aren't any better than Jones is right now, and so you probably give Jones one more year. And so that would be one of those teams, like you said, that sort of hold on to what they have. And then if it still isn't working for them, then you look to 2023 and 
C.J. Stroud and, and Bryce Young and Phil Jacobic and that next rookie class. This is a rookie quarterback class. If we're talking to in, people in and around the league, both with teams and on the media side, there's not a lot of real excitement about this quarterback group. Uh, real quick before I let you go, so as we start to talk about this offseason, at what point, do you, because we've now seen the coaching tree settle, settle with the Vikings making their official announcement today, we assume that McVay is going to make some kind of a decision relatively soon. I don't think Tom Brady's coming back. I know everybody's speculating about that. Give me your thoughts on who the favorites will be going into next season as it sits right now. I mean, I, I certainly think it would start. AFC side, I think there's still a lot of people who look at Buffalo and Kansas City and say, look, that was the best game perhaps of the playoffs, those two teams. You know, they obviously have the quarterback piece figured out, and so I think those two teams will be at the forefront of people's minds. Certainly the Rams, you know, given the run that they've made, and if McVay indeed comes back like we believe is what he will, that'll be in the mix. And look, if the Packers sort of reload again and bring everybody back and try to make it all work and figure out ways to do it, Green Bay will be in the, in the discussion as well because of what they've done the past couple of years. And again, you have an MVP, a quarterback that really can help fix a lot of things if you have a thing spinning away from you over the course of the game. So the Rams, the Packers, those two teams, the Bills, the Chiefs, Cincinnati, people will wait to see what they do along the offensive line. They have to address that this offseason, but you know they'll be in the discussion as well. But familiar teams, familiar faces, familiar quarterbacks, teams that have that quarterback piece figured out, they're usually in good position. Mark, great stuff as always. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, we will, as uh, we get to the combine and we get towards the NFL draft, we're going to touch base again, okay? Fantastic, Phil. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Absolutely, pal. There you go. Mark Schofield, NFL Wire. You can find him there at Mark Schofield, S C H O F I E L D, on Twitter. He's a good follow when it comes to the NFL at Mark Schofield. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.